What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 52. I got the young Meacock himself, David <laughs> Brady. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, man. How are you? Excellent. Couldn't be happier. It's Friday night, although I got to work tomorrow here in uh, ICS, Pennsylvania. Um, how are things up in Minnesota? Uh, cold, as always. They are every winter. This winter's been better, though. I mean... Uh, we haven't had too many, we haven't had any like big storms. And then the one time that we did, my neighbor, neighbor decided to be so kind as to plow our driveway. So I didn't have to shovel. So it's been pretty decent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? If, uh, my dad owns an automotive shop about 40 minutes away from me, if he decided to plow my driveway, I would be forever grateful. But, um, (laughs) he, he's kind of gone out of his way to say like, look, I do not plow other people's stuff. And I, I kind of see why he gets it. Um, so one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on was, well, not only because you seem to be a little bit of a rising star on Twitter, but um, you're also 10 years younger than me. I just turned 27 back in November, and you're 17 years old, correct? That I am, yeah, as of January 20th, yeah. Yeah, so I, I've considered myself a libertarian since probably I was about your age, but I didn't have all the knowledge. I didn't have everything kind of hammered down and into place. Like I, I was still for all the wars up until probably about three or four years ago, just because I was uninformed, well, misinformed on a lot of the stuff. Um, so what kind of brought you to libertarianism and is it kind of popular amongst your peers? Let's just start off with how you got to where you're at and then we'll kind of branch from there. So how I got to where I am, well, I would have to say I was, I've always grown up with kind of like libertarian attitudes and like, hey, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, don't, don't like try to interfere with other people's lives, let them do what they want to do. That's always been kind of like my ideology and kind of what I believed in. Uh, Like as a, I don't know, I started paying attention to politics during the 2016 election because I was like, I think I was like 12 then. And I I was watching that and uh, I got, um, it was interesting, but then I was like, I was like every stupid kid who knows nothing about politics. I look at that and I'm like, hey, this is Trump guy. He seems like the worst. I support Hillary. I kept telling my friends, you know what? Trump's never going to be president. I was like a professional George Clooney. And they just, and you know what? Trump became president. I guess it kind of just went down that pipeline. Eventually I became more of like a, an America first conservative for a while. Still, I believe like kind of like the libertarian stuff. Like I didn't agree with Trump on it. everything, but it's like, the Democrats suck. They lied about Russia and like the Russia stuff because I was like, why would they? Why would they do that? And I just I, I began to hate them. I think it was more so that I hated like the Democrats and all of the stuff they were doing is the reason I kind of latched onto Trump. And then like I kind of became like an actual libertarian after the election 
And I realized, like, yeah, Trump's just being whiny about losing this stuff. Like, he, he lost. He lost the election. I, I believe that it was rigged in the way that everything was against him. Like, the media, um, the, the laws were against him. Everything was stacked against him. I believe that part it was. It was like, hey, stop it. Go out, like, like less of a 12-year-old child. I was I was acting more mature about this uh, about yeah. that election than than Trump was, uh, but it's like after like after the election, I kind of just lost favor with him. And my 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 dad had always been someone who had watched uh, Dave Smith, and well, or at least watched a little bit of him. So I I sat downstairs while he was doing that, doing my homework, listening to Dave Smith talking. I'm like, man, this guy's right about everything. Holy crap! And so I delved into Dave Smith's stuff, and that led me to, and Michael Malice was somebody I'd been a fan of for a while. Um, he was, Michael Malice was the one who kind of red-pilled me on the idea of like, hey, the, the media lies and they profit off of war. So I'd been a Michael Malice fan. I was like, oh my gosh, Michael Malice is doing something with this Dave Smith guy? This is golden. And that led me to Tom Woods, everyone else, and I started to become a libertarian. Though the probably the breaking point that made me the most a libertarian is learning about the Federal Reserve. Because you go down that rabbit hole, my God, it grabs you. That's that's kind of what brought <laughs> me into libertarianism. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, it's like once you find out what the Federal Reserve is and how the Federal Reserve works, that's like the hot button thing for libertarians. And it, it's kind of funny because like nobody else cares about it. But once you know, you cannot take those blinders off because it's like everything that's wrong traces back to the fact that they could just print money ad libitum no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I remember I, I've been someone who's wanted to talk about it. Like there's there's one desire I have right now, and that's to go and stand in front of my school and talk about the Federal Reserve. But I did so in my English class. We were reading this book, The Great Gatsby. It's just before yeah. the Great Depression. I'm like, this isn't going to end well. This boom, it's just because of low interest rates. It's low interest rates. Oh, and mo- oh money my rates. God. Oh, and my I kept God. Talking. Oh, and it gets better. I kept talking about this so much that my teacher had to ban the words Federal Reserve from my English class. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. I wish I was that informed when I was your age, dude. Seriously, that is absolutely freaking hysterical. But you know what? I talk to people about this stuff all the time and nobody has any clue about interest rates. So my mom, God bless her soul. I love her so much. But um, she was freaking out saying, oh my God, Joe Biden's going to raise interest rates. I'm like, no, the fuck he's not. If they raise interest rates, we're not, we're going to fall on the fucking debt. They could raise interest rates. Are you crazy? And they think it's bad that interest rates are going to go up. It's like, well, if you understand economics and you know that when you have a lot of debt, you need to save to pay off said debt and you also need assets to go up or, you know, for credit to be more available for businesses that are, you know, more likely to be successful, right? Interest rates being higher benefits savers. We need more savers because right now there's an abundance of money. So how do you cure that? Once again, create more savers so that way people can pay off the debt, pay down debt and kind of clear, you know, let bad businesses default. Um, but most people don't know that because all they know is low interest rates for the last 20 years. And look, oh, I can borrow the same as cash. But, um, you know, now people are just in this, you know, MMT mindset, Keynesian on steroids stuff. And, and, you know, people just have no clue. They're so economically illiterate. So, um, you know, that being said, I, I just I couldn't imagine being a 17 year old kid. And people are probably looking at you like he's that guy. 
but if they like opened a book they would understand like holy shit this kid's right <laughs> yeah and like I'm, I'm taking a college american history class and like they're talking about the banks and stuff and since i've started studying like rothbard's view of history like the liberty versus power thing and i'm just like jackson was right jackson was right to kill the bank and fdr he was the worst and you see this guy woodrow wilson is coming up he's going to be the single worst thing to happen to america and i'm just talking about these things and we're just talking about like these panics in the 1880s because that's currently where we're at in history and i'm just talking about it's like all because of the railroads and the government investing in the railroads and the, the entire economy being built around these things and that's why all these collapsed railroads falling through it just leads to these economic collapses and short depressions and my teachers look at me like why do you know this and i'm talking about the bank and central bank well, i guess the federal reserve was the first central bank but there was more national banks before that uh, i don't know i could go on about this but i'm talking about these banks and how much i hate them and it, once you once you get once you get like this knowledge of the Federal Reserve, like looking at and like how Austrian business cycle theory is, you know, boom then bust, mm -hmm. it all makes sense. Like all these economic problems, and you're just like, there's a bank right there that's pr literally printing money, mm -hmm. and you know it it all clicks and all lines up perfectly. Mm -hmm. No, it really does. And like I said, most people are just stuck in this Keynesian on steroids economic worldview where low interest rates are good and we can print money forever. I've literally heard some leftists say, well, we could just write off all this debt. Like, do, do, do you not realize what that means? If you write off, you know, $20 trillion of debt, you don't think nobody's going to say like, holy shit, the emperor has no clothes. You guys could just, you know, clear that. Like, that, that's not how this works. <laughs> shit would be very bad and then once again we wouldn't be able to import anything because they would say we don't want your dollars they're not worth anything you know you just wrote off 20 trillion of them so what the hell are we gonna get out of it screw you dude you know yeah yeah for sure like the monetary policy issue has become like the biggest one to me like I i've read a lot of scott horton like on my bookshelf right back there i have like scott horton books i have enough already i've read that book it's like it is one of the best books i've ever read Mm -hmm. but I will even put the warfare state as below the federal reserve. Like my number one priority, my number one issue is the fed. And it's probably the hardest issue to tackle yep. because that is like, like there's the, there's the cliche of the bull in the ivory tower. Well, the federal reserve is the ivory tower itself. Mm -hmm. And when you go in there to break things, the ivory tower is just going to fix itself unless you take down the entire thing. That's why the fed is the number one issue. And it's just like, hey, the that's this destroying the Fed solves all almost all of the problems just by the market having to correct itself. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess kind of shifting gears from the Federal Reserve, because I could I'm sure we could both go on there for hours. And oh, hours yeah, on for that. sure. <laughs> uh, you were 15 years old. Correct. When we heard. No, you would have been. Yeah, 15 or 16 when you heard 15 days to flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah, I was 15 and Trump was like, we need to stay home for 15 days. Trust me, it's all going to work. I don't know. My Trump, my Trump impression is probably terrible. 
I appreciate you giving it a shot, but you trust me, mine's not that good either. I can do a pretty good foul cheat. Oh, we need 15 days to slow the spread of COVID. Y'all gonna wear masks and you're gonna stay home and wait until you get a vaccine. Um, what was that like for you? Cause you would have been in ninth or tenth grade, correct? Yeah, I was in uh I was in late ninth grade. It would have been spring of ninth grade year. It's probably around like March, yep. February, March when we everything locked down. I was sent home and never went, went back that year. It was disappointing because I had like, I never, there's this class in my school you get called careers and you get to talk about like, hey, college isn't the only option. You look into what you're going to do for your future. Wow. And I never really got that course because, hey, I got sent home and nobody ever got to go back. Well, okay. So there, there's quite a few rabbit holes to go down here and I'm interested to hear your experience with all of them. So I remember when COVID first came around and Pennsylvania was very, very harsh on lockdowns. So um, I remember being in the gym at about 530-ish and they said, hey, it's seven o'clock. You guys all have to be out of here. You cannot be here. And I thought it was weird. And my fiance and I later on, it might have been that week, but we were at um, Fogo de Chao, which is like a tourist area where they come with skewers with meat on it. And it's all you can eat steak. It's like the most wonderful thing in the world. But um, <laughs> we were sitting there and we were in Pittsburgh and then um, our phones rang. We looked at it and it said um, Pennsylvania now declared a state of emergency. And I remember looking around, I'm like, I don't see anybody like dying. Everything seems all right. Nobody was wearing masks yet. Right. And then little did we know that, you know, two years later, there would still be like kind of, you know, half in, half out, like things are mostly opened up back here. There's still signs for people to wear masks and people, more people seem to be wearing masks than, you know, like six months ago. But, uh, you know, we had pretty harsh lockdowns. Everything was shut down. Like my fiance got a letter that said, um, here, you have to carry this with you in case you get pulled over for just going to work. Like I got laid off as an auto mechanic. Like people's cars are always broken. <laughs> I got laid off, which I never heard of an automotive technician get laid off. Um, so that's that was kind of my experience with COVID. How was Minnesota for COVID? And then from there, um, what was your experience as a high school teenager when this all kind of happened? Uh, first off, to talk Minnesota itself, Minnesota had one of the worst responses. Like okay. it didn't have super harsh lockdowns. But everything else about our response was garbage and terrible. Governor Walls kind of was just on TV there because he's the local governor. And like in the cities, it was probably a lot harsher. Uh, but like, like Walls was one of the governors who was sending the sick and elderly, well, the sick into the nursing homes and <laughs> letting them go and die. And my God, my camera's probably terrible. There you go. Let it refocus a bit. But he was one of those governors and he was essentially letting elderly die by throwing the sick into nursing homes, which by God, throw that man in, throw that man in a, in Guantanamo Bay. I'm sorry. We're close to Guantanamo Bay, but a perfectly nice supermax prison. Yeah. I'll compromise with you guys there. But so governor walls was the worst. And some of his COVID responses were the worst, you know, but like for me, other than school being closed, wasn't a lot because I live in a rural area. People were less likely to care. There were some businesses that were closed, some that just switched to like, hey, I, well, I was working at a McDonald's at the time. We just switched like, hey, the, the drive-through is the only thing that's working. 
but I was working through the entire pandemic. It was weird because like, mm-hmm. hey, McDonald's is an essential business apparently. But uh, I don't know. Like it was like they didn't like stop people if they were driving around being like, hey, are you on essential business? They didn't do anything like that. We were, my dad and I drove around a lot because it's kind of when he first, when he started his newest, his like the business he's working at now and he's doing now. And he, it's when he started that stuff and it was like, first time of him getting out of the house in years we were going to garage sales it's like i i never willingly wore a mask during covid never have willingly worn a mask now I love, like a, a year and a half of my education i lost a year and a half of that to school closures having to wear like my obedience my obedience collar you know those those fancy things they call masks having to wear those in school um having to social distance you know not see people's facial expressions and i don't even think it was the worst for me like as a as a teenager who already was like this is so full of crap i feel bad for all the little kids like all of the younger kids like you know those those like the toddlers to like the fourth graders like have you seen that picture of the kids all wearing masks sorry i I do this because i took a sign language course and i learned that this was the sign for masks okay uh, I, I do this when i talk math when i say the word yeah, you're good you're good <laughs> yeah but have you seen the picture of like those fourth graders they're all wearing their masks and they're kind of like walking like zombies separated that was here in minnesota that was here in minnesota it's like this the response here has made me decide that if I ever have children, they will never be going to a public school. They will never. I was used to be someone who was like, yeah, send your kids to public school. They'll become more socialized. And now I'm just like, I want to burn the Federal Department of Education to the ground. I want to abolish these public schools. I want to abolish the teacher unions. It, it, it really radicalized me against the school system, really, and just how much they screwed people over. And how terrible these are. I mean, my school was literally built by a prison architect. Like wow. there's, so there's, there's this little layout and they have like these things called pods, you know, like you have a hallway down the middle and you have individual classrooms and like there's two of the floors. And then if you look at like the layout of like a prison, it'd be just like that. The pod system there, the general centralized, the lunchroom in the area in the middle of the commons, stuff like that. Like it's designed like a prison, right? So it's like these things are literal prisons for children. But for me, for COVID, I never really bought into the stuff, probably because I used to be like a big Trump supporter in that I hated everything the Democrats were doing. It seemed like the Democrats really latched onto it, so I never really believed it. I, like, I know my mom was scared at the start, and because like you were seeing that footage of like people in China just passing out and dying on the streets, and I just didn't believe it. I was like, it's China. Why are we believing their propaganda? And then I just, I never really wore a mask willingly. Like even at school when they'd have us wear our masks, like I would have mine like hanging underneath my chin. And then if a teacher would tell me to put it, put it up, I would just, I'd try to be as obnoxious as possible. I would stretch out the mask over my entire face with it until they told me to pull it down. Then I would yank it down back underneath my chin. I mean, it is. I, I, I tried to throw as much sand into their gears as possible, but I don't know. It was a, it, it's an interesting experience. And I just want it over. I'm, I want this like 
the vaccine mandates. I want all this COVID hysteria. Like I've reached the point where I see people like my school doesn't have a mask mandate anymore. But if I see people wearing masks, I fully acknowledge you are my enemy. I do not want to. Why? I, I'm like, you're either brainwashed or you you are. What's that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I It's like. It's, it's hard to look at people who are still wearing masks in 2022 and thinking and thinking like they're anything but like Chris. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've almost gotten to the point where I want to start messing with people who are wearing masks outside. Like, and I, I think of myself as like a generally friendly person, but when I see some someone wearing a mask outside, like at this point, we're now even they're starting to say, you know, the mainstream news sources are starting to say, like, really, masks don't like do anything. Um, it's like you guys don't have to do this. Like, I will go into stores or something, right? And there'll still be people wearing masks all over the place. It's like, and or they'll be wearing them wrong, and this shit drives me nuts because it's like, look, if you're really worried about COVID, I get it, right? I'm not worried about COVID. I had COVID already. My fiance and I was incredibly mild. Um, I've read well up on the science about COVID and we could talk about that too. But um, like when you see people half-ass wearing a mask and nobody else around them is, it's like, just take the fucking thing off. Cause you're trying to have like this, you're trying to have it both ways. You want to please the people who want you to wear a mask. And you also want to look cool enough because look, I got it down beneath my nose. Like just take the fucking thing off. Nobody cares. Just take it off. <laughs> yeah and the and like the saddest thing at one point i took a road trip with my dad and we're driving through chicago and by the way chicago traffic is it's ludicrous and that like there's these two little breakdown lanes on the side of their highway and people are just driving through those through the traffic <laughs> but like the saddest thing is like i'm we're, we're driving through on the highway just before chicago my dad taps my shoulder as i'm i'm like i'm on twitter because like I'm always on Twitter nowadays, uh, and he's and he points out my window, and I turn, I see a man alone in his car wearing a mask, mm-hmm. not one mask. I I tell you, two masks, two masks, <laughs> alone in his vehicle. Yeah, just ah, these people are. I want to like be mad at them. But also at the same time, I kind of understand like they've been blared in their face, told that they're going to die if they get COVID. And this is kind of where I get, I don't want to say frustrated, but where I'm doubtful of the GOP route. And this is another point I kind of wanted to bring up to you as well. Um, As an auto mechanic, right? I've worked as a mechanic in small shops in rural Pennsylvania for the last 10 years, with the exception of moving out to uh, Cleveland for about a year and a half to go to college. Um, So, I mean, I know boomer cons better than anybody knows boomer cons, right? I mean, I've worked with these people 10 hours a day for 10 years. So I know how these people are. And and I'm not saying they're bad people. They're all great people because, you know, they take care of their families. I'd go out and drink a beer with them any day of the week. But um, a lot of these guys are bitten on the freaking narrative too. Like they're, Oh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to go on a cruise right now. Oh, well, I got vaccinated because yeah, well, Trump told me to get the vaccine. It's great. And Oh, well, I, I wear my mask, you know? Oh, well, you know, don't, don't come near me if you got the sniffles or a cough or something like that. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm taking COVID very seriously. Like it, it blows my mind that this much of the Republican base 
is still kind of bought into the narrative. But on the other hand, it's like, I get it. You guys watch Fox News and everything else, and you're still kind of hearing this 24-7 that you're going to die if you catch the vid and that, you know, you could still spread COVID asymptomatically, which has been proven by multiple studies to be complete total bullshit. Um, so that's kind of a long tangent, but uh, I don't have much hope for the GOP strategy. I'm sure it's viable in some areas. And Tho Bishop was the kind of the main pawn in making me or changing my mind in that direction. Um what convinces you of the Libertarian Party? Because you're involved locally with the LP, correct? Yeah, um, I'm. I'm in. I'm over here in Minnesota with yeah. the Mises Caucus and what they're doing. Uh, I'm actually going to try to run for the at for to be an at large representative for the party here in Minnesota. I want to start getting more involved with like, hey, reach out to the youth because you know what we're winning in some very key areas with the youth, and we're just like, hey, everyone realizes this stuff is over. We want it to be over. We're actually working on trying to make it over. And we want to leave you alone. So, I don't know. I want to work with the youth here in Minnesota. But, um, like, uh, this guy, Nate Atkins, he ran for mayor of Minneapolis. Ran for mayor of Minneapolis. I, I had him on my show on last Sunday. Um, that, like, by the time this episode comes out, like you mentioned, like, my most recent will have been Scott Horton, but the one before that, mm-hmm. it, it, it was Nate Atkins. He ran for mayor of Minneapolis. Uh, I've been helping out there. I'm involved locally with the Libertarian Party here. Yeah. Um, like, I, I helped design some of the graphics stuff here. Cool. Like, the if you look at the Minnesota Convention poster in the logo there, I designed that. Now, oh. if you see those four words on the side of the convention, I didn't choose those. I just like, hey, the executive committee made a choice, and I just designed to help out best as I can. But uh, what sold me on the LP? Because I'm sorry, I went on that little tangent there. Oh, you're good, you're good, dude, you're good. <laughs> uh, I would say it's probably more of like a moral, probably more of like a moral reason of why I support the LP rather than the GOP. I'm like, hey, I've talked to Tho Bishop. I've had, I'm, Tho Bishop will be on my show at the end of the month uh, where we talk about this exact issue. And I think he raises some very good points about Absolutely. the LP. But uh, it's just the GOP, not only did they like take a knife and stab Ron Paul in the ribs, Ron Paul, who was the only candidate in like 2012 and 2008 who was based upon the polling could beat Obama. They, they betrayed Ron Paul. They betrayed Trump, which, hey, I don't care that much about Trump, but on principle, they betrayed their their president. They didn't care about him. They did everything to work against him. And like they're responsible for the war on terror and some of the worst wars in history, except Yemen, and that they and that the Democrats started it. It's just that Trump continued it. I don't know. Um, Yemen, big issue, but like besides Yemen, they've pretty much started every major war that is that is still going on that has had these everlasting con- consequences. Like you see the migrant crisis in in Europe. And that's because of U.S. foreign policy. You see the the neoconservatives and, like, the war on drugs is what causes a lot of problems in, like, South America and, like, our regime toppling there. The GOP has been responsible for so much. I do not feel that I can morally support the GOP mm-hmm. and, and, and spreading liberty. And, like, hey, 
if there's Liberty Republicans and they actually want to turn the party around, I'm willing to give it a, to reconsider it. Like if though Bishop is successful, if the Young Americans for Liberty Republicans are successful, even if the GOP Mises Republicans, and I think, I don't know, I think the strategy, I, I have, I have some like problems with that, but I, I can't support the GOP just on a moral basis. Now, on like a functional basis, I don't think we have to win the presidency. I don't expect us to win the presidency. I I want to win enough share of like the Senate or the House to be able to be the swing vote. Like in New Hampshire, they talk about, and I, I, I love New Hampshire. I want to move to New Hampshire in the future. Uh, the free staters aren't the majority of the legislature, but they're the swing vote. As in, they represent like 10%. But that means each party has to cater towards them in order to get things passed. And it's just like, hey, the Republicans, they're, they're kind of, they can cater towards libertarians and a lot, on a lot of these libertarian issues. So it's just, we need to win, even if it's just like five senators, five senators or like, I don't know, 30 or something representatives, which may seem like a lot, but in four, like 400-ish representatives that's it's not that much of a proportion right. if it's just enough to be that swing vote in any given time that is how we start to make changes here like in like in new hampshire like new hampshire has like a pretty mild republican governor but he has to like listen to the free staters and what they want to do because they control like what gets passed in the house and senate in new hampshire so it's just getting that little bit of representation that makes me think, hey, that's possible. I don't expect us to win the presidency. I think Dave Smith running for president, I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to win a lot of people over to our cause. Like, most of all, it's like a messaging. Hey, thing like, hey, libertarians exist. The libertarian party is a thing. I don't expect everyone to like hop on the train and like, hey, yeah, we're going to suddenly join the libertarian party. But I think hey, they might look at Dave Smith and be like, this guy is reasonable. Why don't I vote for their local guy here? Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of would choose the LP. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, like I said, Tho Bishop definitely kind of opened me more to the idea of the whole GOP route. And he is a very, very great speaker. Dude's smarter than I ever could be in the realm of politics and philosophy like I, I i don't hold a candle in that regard but um here yeah it works at the mises institute yeah right 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 yeah. <laughs> um here in pennsylvania we have over 150 elected libertarians as in like we have a few mayors there's a lot of like auditors um inspector of elections constables so like some small seats but um, they do what's called the malt maneuver, which is basically where you run uncontested races and sometimes contested races to get libertarians elected all over the place. So um, that's really kind of given me hope. And I had Buck Johnson on, who's one of these post-libertarians, which th that term seems to be a little bit ambiguous. Like it doesn't have like a straight definition. And there's a lot of people that are kind of loosely lumped in there that kind of cluster around the same ideas, but aren't all the same, right? Um he was like surprised when I told him that because I think most people kind of think, oh no, the Libertarian Party will never win. Well, Kate Crosby, I give her a shout out almost every single show, but <laughs> she's the uh, mayor of Austin, Pennsylvania, right? And she actually won against an incumbent here in Pennsylvania as a Libertarian. 
Was she the one that was on Twitter talking about how they wouldn't swear her in? Are you yes. talking about? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she yeah is, I saw uh, that. Yeah, she's she's awesome. And um, I know they're giving her hell, but um, she's one hell of a tough cookie. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how this kind of plays out because I don't think she's the only one here in Pennsylvania. But um, kind of a long-winded way to say that I think the tides are changing. So this year and 2024, I think are going to be huge years for Liberty, whether it be Liberty Republicans or Libertarians. Um, are you optimistic going into the future? I mean, you're young, so you got a lot more life ahead of you than I do. Hopefully I got just as much life, but um, you obviously we don't know, but um, you know, do you think 2022 and 2024 are going to be good years or are you kind of like, eh? I'm going to say I am optimistic overall because like the way Michael Malice describes like the, the black pill and the white pill, the black pill means you think that we're going to lose that even that no matter what we're going to lose and the white pill is believing that in the end, no matter how difficult it's going to be, we're going to ultimately win. And Hey, the good guys win. I'm sorry. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the trope. That's what's going to happen. Even, even as like a con, even like a war, like, World War II, where it looks like, hey, Hitler's going to conquer the world and take, get rid of everyone that's not German. Hitler lost. Stalin lost. The Soviet Union fell. China adopted more free, like, it's still creepy. It's still a creepy government. It's still very authoritarian. Yeah. But they accepted more more freedom in their, in their world, at least economically. And, like, you see the Soviet Union fall. You see even in just the Republican party, like the neoconservatives, they've been kicked to the ground and spit on. These are evil people that are being defeated. I think we're going to win. Like ultimately we're going to win, whether it's through like electing libertarians or even just affecting the conversation. Like you see Marjorie Taylor green, she's on Tim pool. And like, Hey, I have my problems with Tim sometimes. I I still like listening to his show. His show is what kind of, some of his guests gave me the red pill. So I'll give him credit on that. And I was like, I feel like I just talk to Tim. Just talk to him. Love to. But like, yeah, like you have Marjorie Taylor Greene there, Matt Gates, who are like more open to like ideas of like libertarians, like repealing the National Firearms Act. You, you hear them mentioning the Mises Caucus and Marjorie Taylor Greene bringing up to, bringing up like, hey, we need to listen to libertarians. Or, like that's like about... The, about Shane Hazel, I think Shane, I think Shane is going to, but like the acceptance of these libertarian ideas, like hey, try and weasel in a little bit of Rothbard there, just like, oh, green, oh, I happen to see this pamphlet left on your desk. You know, it says Anatomy of the State. You might want to read it. I don't know. Maybe it was left there. I don't know. Get these ideas to the that currently have control of the movement, even if in Virginia, which I t- definitely believe. Um, Youngkin is probably a world economic form plant, considering he was like part of the Carlisle. But the idea, like him running and winning on like education and school choice and giving parents more control of their education, him even winning on that platform generally, I think that's a good sign of things shifting more our way. I'm optimistic for the future. And if you're not optimistic of your future, that is quitter talk. You need to, if I'm not saying you personally, but people who are listening who think we're going to lose, it is going to reach the end. Even look at the, even look at the post-apocalyptic, like the, 
the totalitarian novels like 1984, Brave New World, guess who wins in the end? Guess who wins? We do. The good guys win. That is the point of these stories. And, you know, history rhymes. We defeated, like, the fascists in in 1940s Germany. We'll defeat, like, the modern corporate fascists today. I, I, I'm optimistic. Anyone who says that we are going to lose, you know what? That's because you're not willing to put in the work to actually make sure that we win. That means you simply do not care enough to actually try to win. We are going to win. I am sorry. We are going to win and liberty is going to, we're going to set the world free in our time. I don't think there's any other attitude to have, man. I, I completely agree. Um, sometimes it is a little blackpilling to see the, um, the movement with as much infighting as there is. And it is um, sometimes depressing to think that, you know, we are facing the world's most largest and most powerful government. But, uh, you know, it, it goes back to, I can't remember who exactly said the quote, but, you know, who would have thought that the Berlin Wall was going to fall? Who thought that the Soviet Union was going to fall? Um, World War II, or, you know, when you just look at totalitarian regimes, and not that we're quite there, but it's definitely on the road there. Um they don't last. And in this age where there's so much information and people are waking up to what's going on around them, I mean, at a rate like never before, because they can't sustain this white hot culture war, this white hot war of COVID. Um, people are just waking up to it. And I, I think that there is a uh, breaking point where eventually everybody says enough and they're not willing to tolerate, um, you know, a half hearted Trump who says that he's fighting for America, but then signs over, you know, trillions of dollars to other countries and steals all your purchasing power in these bills, or, you know, they're not willing to tolerate this walking corpse Biden and who's going to start world war three by trying to go to war with Russia. Right. I don't know. I feel, I feel bad for Biden. I don't think he's in control of himself. Like, I don't think the man actually wants war. I just don't think he knows what he's doing. He's a puppet. Like, look at his son, Bo Biden. Like, you know, the good son, not Hunter. Yeah. He lost his son in Iraq. Yep. He lost his son to the, to the burn pits. He, he mentioned that in the interview that he read the book, The Burn Pits, and it mentions his son. He lost his son of, of brain cancer, of a brain tumor because of those wars. I don't think he wants the wars anymore. Like, I think he feels guilty. Like, that's why I think he actually ended Afghanistan. And, like, Justin O'Donnell would be hyperbolic that, hey, he's the only president in his lifetime who's ended a war, and that's why he's the best president. I won't go that far. I won't go that far. But I will give him credit for that. I will give him credit for that because, like, I think that man, he realized he lost his son because of that, and he doesn't want to – and he said it himself. He doesn't want to send some other person's son to go die for women's rights. And I'm sorry. That can be a wonderful cause to push for in the Middle East. But I believe that has to be the people there who push for it. I don't think we should be sending people like, you know, around my age group. I know a kid who's joining the military. And I feel bad for him because of what he's going to have to do there. But, right. you know, I, I, I'll give Biden credit on Afghanistan. Ending the war there. I don't think he actually wants a war. I, I really don't. I think he's just a puppet. I feel bad for him. It's like elder abuse because that man does not know what he's doing. That man does, yeah. has no clue what is going on. 
That's why I think he did the vaccine mandates because like he used all of his political willpower to end the war in Afghanistan. They're like, we're calling in that favor now. Yeah. <laughs> he he ends the war and they're like, all right, well, let's let's go get him some ice cream and let him cool off. I think he's done for about three years. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, you know what, Biden, you ended Afghanistan. Raytheon and Boeing aren't very happy. But how about you help out Pfizer? Pfizer needs some stocks. Right. They need some stock boosts. Why don't you be a snake oil salesman? There you go. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, at that press conference, he talked about a pill, right? He was all excited about this pill. Um, the so white a, pill? <laughs> it's it's a pill made by Pfizer that's supposed to be, that's supposed to like cure COVID, right? So Pfizer made this pill, but guess who ran the trial on you know figuring out whether the pill is efficacious or not? I'll give you one guess: Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer <laughs> ran the trial for Pfizer's oh. pill and determined that it was ninety percent effective. Nothing to see oh. here. That that reminds me of that meme where it's like the CIA investigated itself. The CIA finds no connection between itself and the in the crack trade. It's like yeah. this, it's like that dopey like dog, the doge dog, like the wimpy one is like, Your Honor, I have we have investigated ourselves and have found no connection between ourselves and this illegal activity. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's the funniest part about leftists talking about police corruption, because they always say, well, we see you do an investigation on all of these police. Do you really think the police look in the mirror and say, all right, you fucked up, Aaron, you fucked up? No, they're like, guys, you got my back on this one? All right. Well, looks like we didn't do anything wrong this time either. All right, let's go. Home. Well, you just... You just killed that guy. You know we're gonna throw you in cuffs. It's like oh, there's this there's this really good reason video. Like the best reason, the best stuff reason puts out is like their reason TV comedy stuff, and they did libertarian P PBS, and it's and it's oh, it's two puppets. They're police, mm -hmm. and one of them looks distraught. He's like looking at the ground. He's like, oh my god, what did I do? And his friend walks over, puts his hand on his back. He's like, don't worry, you've got. Looks at they both look at the camera. Qualified immunity in this. Like this little jingle, qualified yeah. immunity. It's not for you. It's just for me. I shot your dog. I shot your wife. I get to go on with my life. That little jingle. <laughs> I've actually never seen it, but that's pretty good. Uh, it, they have some wonderful stuff. Like my my still one of my favorite videos of all time is Remy's Trigger, which is a which is triggered, which is a parody of Thriller, of course. Yeah. It's all about like liberals <laughs> acting like total wusses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very funny to see kind of everyone flip, especially over the last like five years. So it was my body, my choice. And now all of a sudden, you don't get Medicare if you're not vaccinated. Um, the Iraqis and Muslims hate you for your freedoms. But now we're concerned about the Chinese committing a Uyghur genocide that never was substantiated. And these claims are being made by the same people who told you that Trump was a Russian asset. It's like it's almost hard to keep up with. And it's definitely hard to believe because everybody's turning sides so rapidly that it's like, you know, nobody's kind of standing strong like Ron Paul. Right. Rand Paul's there, but he's definitely not his father. Um, he's I, I think he found his feet. Like, with the COVID yeah. stuff, I think Rand's definitely found his ground. Like, if oh, he yeah, wanted absolutely. to run for president, yeah. like, I don't know, if it was Rand versus Dave Smith versus 
whatever decrepit corpse the Democrats conjure up. I, I, I would be conflicted between Rand and, and Dave, but I'd probably vote for Dave on principle mm-hmm. because I think that the Republicans are going to win after Biden and all of his gaps. Yeah, yeah. And I, I generally agree. Um, the only beef I really have with Rand is just that he hasn't been good on the war on terror and he's been particularly bad on Israel and uh, bad on um, Iran. But, um, you know, setting aside that, any libertarian who has like disavowed Rand or said bad things about Rand post 2020, it's like, dude, get your head checked. This dude is an American hero at this point. This dude straight up told Fauci, you're trying to cover your ass. This guy has consistently put forth, um, you know, stuff saying we need to fire Fauci. And he's been the most outspoken critic of the COVID regime. Yeah, it's the same thing with like, Thomas Massey, like there was that Reason editor who commented on that photo of him with the guns, which, by the way, that is what you want your family to look like. You know, the Christmas photo with them and all the guns. That was the best. But it was like this this Reason editor, Billy Binion, I believe his name is. I don't remember his exact name. And I don't want to because Reason is like, like, I don't know, it's regime libertarianism. Uh, But like he commented on that. He was like, he he was like insulting Massey. It's like, I don't take you seriously. He's attacked the single best representative in the House who's been the best on everything. Yep. Almost everything. And it's the same thing with like people attacking DeSantis in Florida. Like, hey, if you're gonna if you're thinking like of running a libertarian candidate against Ron DeSantis, no, that is a horrible idea. Because that man, he's not only has he earned the loyalty of floor of people in Florida, but he's also like actively fought against probably the biggest issue of the current moment. So going against him and attacking him, that is a horrible idea. And if you do not give him credit for everything he has done to fight COVID, I can't take you seriously. You need to give people credit where credit is due. Even yeah. if they're not, even if they're not perfect, like, ju- like Justin O'Donnell talks about the New Hampshire Republican party, how they're like 85% of the way there to being like, perfect libertarians but not quite and how they're like arguing over like marijuana laws because they don't want there to be a tax that the democrats want there to be a tax it's like you're arguing between good and perfect but like you still have the chance to get good right we need to give people credit where credit is due yeah and and don't let the the saying's true don't let perfect be the enemy of good so Mm -hmm. you know the drug war is not my biggest issue but you know it's like if they're willing to legalize it, but it be taxed, well, what would you rather have? It be illegal and people being thrown in prison for smoking marijuana, or would you rather have people pay a little bit of tax on their weed? And obviously, as libertarians, I, I, it should go without saying, I don't agree with either one, but the lesser two evils here, which one is achievable and does give people more liberty to do whatever they want with their own bodies, they have to pay tax to smoke weed, it's a lesser of two evils, and I think it's a fair trade-off. Now, one interesting thing to think about here, here in Minnesota, uh, since Governor Walz is so terrible and everyone can attack him on his terrible COVID response and locking down businesses and killing like everything that made Minnesota great, um, he's kind of started pushing for legalizing marijuana. It's like he, the man is trying to save his re-election at this yeah. point. It's like, why haven't you signed that in the, like, I don't know, four years before this year 
Mm-hmm. To, you, to know, you're the you're the Democrat. Like there's there's Republican coalitions here in Minnesota. I'm followed by them on Twitter, surprisingly. Like ramp GOP Republicans against marijuana prohibition. Mm-hmm. There's a Republican movement here to legalize marijuana. Right. And the Democratic controlled governor won't he won't make it happen and he's just trying to save his re-election i don't know that's that's an interesting thing here so i think all democratic governors are to do whatever they can to try and save their re-election now tom wolf i don't believe could be re-elected again um i could be wrong on that but i'm pretty sure um tom wolf the governor here in pennsylvania cannot be re-elected so uh, i i don't think he's really that worried about it but um Governors who lock down, um, there are sharks in the water and they smell blood. <laughs> it is your blood and you're about to get eaten alive. So uh, be on the lookout. Dude, I've kept you for about 45 minutes or so. I want to res- be very respectful of your time. So um, uh, any kind of ending, well, you know what, I'll ask you my question because I've, I finally remembered it this time. Um, what does liberty look like to you before we get off of here? What does liberty look like to me? Mm-hmm. I gotta say, um, I look at New Hampshire. Sorry, just look at New Hampshire. New Hampshire is like the it is um, it is like the what we should strive to America. Like it's a future. No, New Hampshire people. New Hampshire, and it's just like hey, to reach the point where you have a community of care about one another. They don't care about each other's lifestyle necessarily as far as like enforcing like putting a gun at people to get yeah. their way it's like it's it's it's, it's like voluntary action it's voluntary human action you mm-hmm. know gotta give that little shield to the Mises caucus for that one that nice. coining that term uh it's like it's a vol it's a voluntary society that is what it really is and we and that is what liberty really is it's getting to make choices for yourself and getting and not having someone with a gun you know, pointing it at you, trying to get you to push a certain way. I don't know. I could probably articulate and answer that question better. Ah, but that's, but on one final note, you remember Michael Malice's governor's thing on Twitter? Yes. I remember he, he, he attacked my governor at one point. It was the single best thing ever. He was like, governor's Gitmo. I got that governor's Gitmo shirt still. You can still buy them. So if you want to show your lockdown governor how much you hate them, I believe you can still get governors to get most shirts. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, and then the other question is, uh, what does health look like to you? Health? Ooh. Uh, not shilling for a pharmaceutical company in order to try and get out of a, <laughs> a pandemic. Really, take care of yourself. Eat healthy. I've started to eat more healthy, you know. Like, watch what you eat. I've cut out sugar out of my life because I realized it's not only bad for, like, my health, uh, it's also bad for like, like my looks, like facial complexion, that sort of stuff. You know, eat well. I'm considering the carnivore diet. If, if I could get away with it, if meat wasn't so expensive, I would do the carnivore diet if I could. But also like exercise people, get fit, you know, make, take some efforts to improve yourself. Like if you're self-conscious of how you look, that's something you can change. You can change and make yourself, you can lose weight. Like, I don't, I don't buy into a lot of this, like, body positivity. Like, I don't, I don't see, like, actively shaming people if they're, like, naturally bigger individuals. But there's no reason to be overweight when you can exercise. You can control what you eat. So, I don't know. It's taking control of your health choices, man. Making sure that everything 
that you are, are controlling how you want to present yourself, how, what you consume and like what actions you're taking to make sure that like, Hey, that you're a healthier person and you don't have to rely on a broken healthcare system or a pharmaceutical company to survive a, um, a disease with a 99.999% survival rate. Ooh, that one's going to get me banned. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that was probably one of the best answers I got from that question. Yeah, man, you were right on top of that. Um, David, where can everybody find you, brother? Let everybody know. Uh, Ooh, you can find me at Real David B Junior, Real David B Jr. You know, sign a little for my for my deaf friends. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you can find me there on Twitter, David M Brady Junior. You can also find me there on Instagram if you want to follow me there. I don't know, I don't get a lot of action on Instagram. I post sometimes pictures of like the sunset that I'll see. I don't know. Sometimes I like to take a, some nice pictures, post about stuff. Uh, you. You can also find my my YouTube and Odyssey, The Road to Providence. I just got some new branding, so I should have I have a nice new logo. It's like the black flag with like uh, kind of like a three a three pillar skyline in front of it, and the Road to Providence, anti state, free markets, free individuals on the bottom. But I got some new branding there. You can find me on YouTube, The Road to Providence with David Brady. I try to do a live show. Tuesdays and Wednesdays with my co-host Sam Blifflinger, which you can find him at Stay Classical on Twitter. I'll give him a shout out there. Love you, Sam. You're great. <laughs> and uh, I do the Sunday special. Every Sunday, you can find an interview of so hopefully some big figures. Uh, it probably has already passed by the time this will come out, but I interviewed Scott Horn. That's coming out this Sunday. So last Sunday, you can check that out. Uh, I'll have Tho Bishop on at the end of the at end of the month, I already interviewed him for that. Uh, I also, the next week, I will have Joshua Smith from Break the Cycle. And then the week after that, uh, Toad and um, and Cole from Tower Power Hour. So, and then March, I think March is going to be another great month. I'm pretty stoked about February for the Sunday special. But yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more with my channel, getting out there, doing some more activism. If anyone's like in Minnesota or in the area wants to visit the Minnesota State Convention, uh, lpmn.org, it's April 2nd to the 3rd. Dave Smith's coming out. Uh, also, El Anthony Welty, Joe Jorgensen. I mean, hey, she. I, I think she's still pretty good on a lot of things, albeit not perfect on messaging. Yeah. Uh, I know Avent O'Brien's coming out there. She was a former vice chair of libertarian party new hampshire but if you want to hang out with me and dave smith because i know that's what you want to do uh minnesota state convention second to the third uh i'm gonna try to run for the app for an at-large position soda so yeah that that's where you can find me that was a long spiel i'm sorry <laughs> oh dude no you're great um i appreciate you coming on and um i just want to say before we uh end the stream here um it gives me hope to see someone your age kind of getting into it um, I know when I was your age, I definitely was not as well read. I wasn't anywhere near as smart on all the shit that's so important to us now. Um, so it really gives you hope for the future. And hopefully um, you can continue to be a uh, firebrand for libertarianism. And hopefully your channel grows just like mine. And, um, you know, we get this message to more people and, uh, you know, speak to the remnant and wake up as many people as possible, man.
Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I, I think that going and trying to reach out to the youth is definitely the way. That's why I want to start doing more like youth activism and getting more into that. I know there's a youth caucus in California. I'm a, I want to try to talk to those guys more about like, hey, making this more of a national thing. I know there's something Angela McCarta wants to do after Reno, which sadly I will not be able to make it to. But hey, I'm I, I'm not as well read as I as I may appear. I still need to, I have a lot of Rothbard and a lot of Hoppe to read, so I, I got a bit uh, I need to catch up on. I'm not perfect, um, but I I think I have a leg up on uh, a lot of my of my fellow youth understanding. Yeah, dude, I uh, I completely agree. So, uh, all right, everybody. Until next time, this is in liberty and health. I appreciate everybody watching. Like, subscribe. Uh, give me five star ratings. And I can't believe in fifty two episodes, it's the first time I ever said to do that. But uh, until next time, everybody, take care. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.